You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Lloyd, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. And we are in between fight weeks here as we have two Valor shows in the span of eight days. Tonight, we will be going to the Picks panel once again, two weeks in a row, as we get ready for VFC 73. It goes down this Saturday night. September the 12th from the Camp Jordan Arena in Eastridge, Tennessee. We're going to be getting picks and analysis on all those cards, as well as a recap of last weekend's Valor 72 card. It went down at the Cout Night Joe. So it's a busy week here tonight, uh, Justin. we got a lot to cover. Uh, so much to do in so little time. Yeah, no doubt. There was a ton of fights last week and a bunch coming up this week, too. So looking forward to getting into it. Well, you know, I, uh, I I bitched about all the the COVID shutdown stuff and not having any work. So now I'm getting uh, I'm getting my wish. We're we're plenty busy here going into this. We've got uh, a little bit of housekeeping to do. We're going to keep this very brief this week. We're going to recap last week's UFC Vegas nine and a very quick preview of this weekend's UFC Vegas ten. And since we'll be at the Valor Show, we won't be as uh, as invested in that card. Although I will be actually. I'm in a picks league where I've got a chance to win a bunch of money here if I could get it right. But if, I'm struggling to keep my focus on it justin yeah i bet man i would hate to be in your position with this being coming down to the last week and you're right there at the top that's a that's a little penny that you you know you you want to be uh invested in you you know you want to be able to put some time into it but uh you'll be on on edge i'm sure all night (laughs) all right let's uh a quick recap of last week's UFC fight night, Overeem versus Sakai, a card that was riddled by COVID-related um, cancellations. We ended up only having seven fights, so uh, lucky for us, we don't have a lot of time to, 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 to cover it. There won't be a whole lot to cover. Main event, Alistair Overeem with a fifth-round TKO over Augusto Sakai after uh, kind of uh, wading through some, uh, some, some tough action in the first couple rounds. He just showed that veteran savvy, man, and was able to uh, turn it on in the fifth round. Probably could have come close to getting a stoppage in the fourth round, but a uh, real nice win for Overeem there. Uh, your thoughts? I was super impressed. I mean, you know, just thinking about Overeem made his pro debut in 99. He's got 21 years of professional fighting under his belt. You know, and a guy like Sakai, um, he's looked good. I think he was undefeated, but he, just the, the level of experience that Alistair has is is unmatched and you could tell in the fight you know sakai was doing well early in the fight but alistair's kind of you know waited it out and uh rode the clock a little bit and and towards the end started shooting some takedowns and that was the biggest factor you know just knowing how to adjust when you're in there and sakai couldn't do much and alistair was landing some nasty nasty elbows from the top um splitting wide open you know, it puts him in an odd spot, though. You know, the it's just a log jam ahead of him. He said he's wanting to make one more run at the title. But right now, you know, everybody's kind of booked up. I'd say the best he could hope for is maybe Derek Lewis beats Curtis Blades. He hasn't fought him yet, you know? Yeah, I, I think you have to do Rosenstruck. I mean, you know, without the Rosenstruck loss, which, as we know, Alistair won you right. know, 24 minutes and 56 seconds of and got caught and it was a bad stoppage by the referee. But without that, he's on a five fight winning streak at, at, the, at the heavyweight division and he's right there knocking on the door. 
uh, for a title. You know, I, I think that that would that would put him right behind Francis. Um, so I think you have to do the, the Jarzinho Rosenstrike uh, rematch. Co-main event. How about OSP with a walk-off knockout? Four minutes, seven seconds into the second round over Alonzo Minifield in a fight that he unexplicably was the underdog in. Uh, I did well on that fight. I was, I, I'm, you know, I, I saw where there was some danger, obviously, there with Minifield, but Minifield fought a much more measured fight this time. And, you know, a measured Minifield kind of takes away all the danger that he posed to Ovince. And Ovince was able to just, you know, outwork him, much more savvier veteran once again, and uh, catches him with a big left to knock him out cold. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's two in a row now for Minifield. Big yeah. win for yeah, I agree. You know, coming into the fight, I was worried for for Vince just because Minifield has has looked so big, um, but in there, Vince looked like he was the much larger guy, um, and then he landed that that same check hook. I mean, it was like the same spot in the cage and everything uh, was when he fought Shogun, um, and and just knocked him out cold. But you know, I think we don't talk about it that much. I, you know, I, I don't think it gets talked about anywhere very much. But uh, Vince is, you know working his way up to where he's potential hall of fame. I mean, he's got the most uh, finishes in heavyweight or in light heavyweight history. Now he's not close to the end. Um, I think he's still got, you know, a good four or five years in him. Um, it's pretty cool just to, just to have that kind of a, a stud athlete, you know, in the air from the area. All right. Rounding out the rest of this card, there wasn't really an undercard or a main card. It's just one card. Michelle Pejea with a pretty dominant win over Zalim Amadayev. Uh, a little bit of a, you know, I'm, he dominated the fight. A little bit of a wonky ending. Uh, Amadayev uh, said that he didn't cho- uh, tap that submission to be ashamed of that it gets turned into a no contest after such domination from Pejea, who looked really good. Called for Masvidal afterward. Wouldn't hold your breath on that. Up next, Andre Munez with a bit of an upset win over Bartosz Fabinski with a big uh, armbar win. Really pretty. Went for a triangle and then, like, switched off mid-move mid, mid move and, and kind of faked him out and went for the armbar. It was really, really sweet. Real quick submission win for Brian Kelleher over Ray Rodriguez, who was his third opponent in the week and took the fight like that day after Kelleher's uh, replacement opponent, Kevin Natividad, pulled out of the fight. Uh, so quick win for Kelleher, and he's got, man, I think he's got four wins this year. Uh, Vivian Arujo with a uh, pretty dominant unanimous decision over Montana De La Rosa. Uh, good win for her. And then Hunter Azure with a, a unanimous decision win over Cole Smith, who came on strong in the third, but it wasn't good enough. Yeah, I think the the only fight that was that was odd for me was the De La Rosa fight. I mean, um, you know, two of the judges scored all three rounds for um, or Viviana, but, um, you know, she um, – Del Rosa landed the only takedown in the fight, and she had more, uh, you know, more successful strikes landed um, than Vivian did. But the only thing was the striking accuracy, I guess, um, and maybe the damage that she did in the first, you know, early in the fight. Um, good win for Brian Kelleher, just keeping him keeping himself relevant. You know, he's going to be one of those Jim Miller types, I think, um, who just ends up fighting all the time and and you know win some, lose some, but he'll always be around. Um, and Michelle, Michelle Pejea, man, I, that guy's, um, it's going to be interesting to see him fight some, some higher level competition, you know, obviously calling out Masvidal was like a waste of a call out really, but, um, <laughs> just to see him fighting somebody who 
is going to be more calm and composed in there and, and that he's not just going to be able to walk all over. I mean, Imadayev is a great boxer, and you could see in that fight that when he was in boxing range, he stood a chance, but Bahia was able to control the distance to where Imadayev was just out of range the whole time. Um, but just throwing all that crazy stuff, you know, he, he wastes a tremendous amount of energy when he doesn't need to, but it's fun to watch. Um, so I'm looking forward to see he's sticking around in Vegas. So he might end up getting, you know, a short notice replacement call against a, a bigger name and, and we'll see what he can do. All right. Moving on to this week's card is the UFC Vegas 10. Originally supposed to be headlined by Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira. That fight is off due to COVID. We get a less than stellar main event in its place, so I don't feel like I'm missing a whole lot. I'm sure it'll be a fine fight. I just, uh, I just, I'm just not really that excited for it. It's Michelle Waterson taking on Angela Hill in a five round uh, strawweight fight. I think, uh, you know, Waterson's lost two in a row. Hills uh, has had won three in a row before she had a very controversial loss to Cadelia last time. A lot of people thought she won. I think this is Hill's fight to lose, man. Waterson makes 105. I think Hill's going to be much more long and just have the size advantage. And as long as it stays standing, then, you know, I, I think Hill wins probably five-round decision. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see Angela Hill as the favorite, honestly. I mean, she's coming back off of a lot of momentum, but um, just, just the adversity that she's faced in the past. And I feel like Michelle's had a, a better career all around. Um but I'm I'm riding Angela Hill too. Um, I was hoping to get her as a dog, but um, I think she'll she'll be able to to grind out a decision, like you say. All right. Also on that card, a uh, kind of an odd main event, co-main event. Kama Worthy takes on Otman Azatar. Plus Andrea Lee, Roxanne Montaferi, Ed Herman, Mike Rodriguez, Billy Quarantillo, Kyle Nelson. That rounds out the main card. What stands out? Oh man, this shit is garbage. Um, the Andrea Lee and, and Mata Ferry fight sticks out to me just because um, I think I think Angela Lee is is a a promising prospect and Mata Ferry is, is one of the, one of those grizzled veterans you know that looks unassuming but um, should be a real test for Angela Lee for sure. Um, I, this, the guy that Kama Worthy's fighting is undefeated, hundred um, percent knockout finish rate. Um, so I think it could be fireworks in that fight, but it's just not a whole lot of uh, name value. And, and you know, Kama's got two fights. Um, Azatar, I think, has one maybe in the UFC. And um, other than that, man, I look forward to seeing Billy Cornzillo, uh back in there. Uh, but nothing else really sticks out. No, Komei, no, I'm not sorry, not Komei. The undercard is actually kind of nice here looking at some like of these better. Fights. Yeah, we got Matt Schnell, Tyson Nam. You know that's going to be an action fight. Julia Avila, Sajara Eubanks. That was a fight that was rescheduled from uh, two weeks ago, I think. Roosevelt Roberts, Matt Frivola. It should be a nice action fight. Alan, Alan Patrick versus Bobby Green. That's a damn good fight. Yeah. Uh, that's a cool main event. Uh, uh, Frank Camacho, Brock Weaver. That's kind of a slugfest for their jobs. Uh, Brian Barberina makes his return to take on Anthony Ivey. I really like Barberina in that fight. I don't think Ivey's on the level. And then Sabina Mazzo uh, takes on Justine Keish. Yeah, man, I think that this is stronger than the main card, like, without a doubt. Frivola um, is one to keep your eye on. Roosevelt Roberts has been calling him out for a long time and finally getting that one done. Like I said, Matt Schnell and Tyson Nam is going to be 100% full speed and all action the whole the whole time. Um, Bobby Green and, and Alain Patrick is going to be an interesting one. Alain Patrick has got a lot of talent, but he's just – you know, a newer newer guy. I think he may have just just suffered his first loss um, or second loss. But uh, 
Bobby Green's been around for a long time, and it'll be a good test just to see, you know, where Alon Patrick is. Um, let's see. Yeah, and uh, Brock Weaver and, and Frank Camacho is just going to, you know, somebody's going down that fight. It's going to be a, a fun one to watch for sure. It might not be super uh, technical, but th- those guys are going to be in there throwing. Somebody might get cut too. Yeah, very, very possible. It, th- those kind of guys, though, I mean, they do tend to keep their jobs a lot longer than, you know, because their, their style is favorable to fans. Yeah. Their, their style is, is fun to watch and and they'll pretty much fight anybody. So um, they usually tend to be able to keep their jobs a little bit longer, I think, but um, yeah, both of them are going to be coming hungry for, for the win. All right. And that is a UFC Vegas 10 goes down this Saturday night. Um, I guess that's, ESPN card. That's ESPN Plus card. Yeah, you're better off just getting the power pay-per-view. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see, man. Uh, I guess that's about it. Well, there's a couple Bellator shows going down in Connecticut. Uh, looks like there's a Machida and Phil Davis rematch. Anything on either of those cards worth mentioning to you? Um, Not really. The Machida and Phil Davis, are those are pretty long odds. Um, Ed Ruth is always good to see where he's going to, you know, where he's at. Raymond Daniels coming back. Kind of one of their builder fight shows, it seems like, for their, yeah. For their you know? Yeah, pretty much. You know, Tyrell Fortune has got a, a, a gimme fight on there as well. So, um, might see some highlights in, in that fight, but not a whole lot of tightly contested matchups. All right, that'll do it for a preview of this weekend. Let's get into the nitty-gritty, what y'all came for, and get a recap going for last weekend's Valor 72 card with uh, our, our guests tonight that are going to do the recap with us and stay on for the Pigs panel. Let's bring on Greg Hopkins and Chad Finnerty. All right, segment two is going to be our recap of Valor 72 went down last Friday night, September the 4th. From the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee, large night of fights. We're going to recap them all right here as well as the picks. Uh, you know, we had uh, we had uh, our picks panel last week. Uh, Justin, give us an update before we begin what the standings were coming into this event. Coming into this one, uh, Hobbs was ahead of Greg and Chris by one pick. At, with, he had 15 correct. Uh, Greg and Chris both had 14 points and Chad had 13 all right. So, uh, let's see here. Our first bout of the evening, combat jiu-jitsu. And this was a quick one, man. It was uh, Trevor Blankenship taking a submission over Darren Hastings, um, I guess, with just like like a an Achilles lock or like um, maybe a strained ankle lock or something like that. It was a little, uh, it was, it was a little uh, up in the air. His corner said it was a heel hook. Um, Justin Watson says it was not. Regardless, Darren Hastings taps in a minute and 10 seconds, and Trevor Blankenship gets the night going with a win. Uh, Chad, you uh, you know you, you know both these guys, trained with Darren. Uh, of course, uh, you know uh, Trevor and Hannah over there. Uh, this one didn't last too long. It was it was kind of anticlimactic. It's like they were scrambling, and then like he went off for the foot, and he just it was just Darren just kind of you know leisurely tapped, and that was it. Yeah, I think um, talking with Darren, he was he was kind of surprised. He thought that uh, that was an illegal move, so he just kind of sat back and and thought that the ref was gonna you know kind of stand him up or whatever. <laughs> and, and when he didn't, he was like, "I better talk for him. I'll break Michael." So, uh, I mean, good move by Trevor. Darren went in there and got a quick takedown. Thought he was gonna go for the Von Prue, and then uh, 
you know, like you said, the scramble uh, come out Trevor's way. All right, Justin, how uh, how did everyone pick that one? Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. Everybody. I would say we owe Trevor an interview, but I ain't interviewing guys that just slap grapple. <laughs> <laughs> we don't interview the other ones anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah, all right. <laughs> All right, moving on. We had our second uh, combat jiu-jitsu match. It was Adam Sylvia, the Wolves Den, taking on James Jones from um, Combat Performance. And, man, this is uh, – if you didn't get your Phyllis slapping in the first one, you got it in the second one. This is a this is an odd one. Uh, Jones uh, flops down, tries to scoot into guard. Uh, Sylvia manages to evade the guard for about 9 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, slaps the shit out of James Jones about the thigh uh, and face uh, for a lot – with some really hard slaps. You could tell it was starting to frustrate Jones, and he, uh, you know, just wasn't ever really able to implement anything. Same time, you know, uh, we ended up going all the 10 minutes, so there was no winner. There was no submission. Uh, they did start to grapple, you know, go for some things at the very end, but uh, uh, this was uh, just a, definitely an interesting match here between these two. Uh, Justin, your take. I think if a guy slaps the shit out of you for 10 minutes, you get you lost. Yeah, uh, right. I don't think I understand, really, I understand uh, that we didn't, we didn't <laughs> announce a winner, but – um, yeah, it's not really what you expect to see when in a combat jiu-jitsu match. Obviously, you're allowed to, to open hand strike, but um, Sylvie just was, was content just to stay there on his knees. And um, his opponent, just what, what was his name? James, James Jones. He, did, he wasn't, you know, I mean, there was plenty of times where he could have grabbed onto a leg. He could have gotten up and shot a takedown of his own. He just was trying to butt scoot the whole time and getting slapped for it, you know. So um, it was pretty anticlimactic, I guess, uh, from – his side at least for sure uh it was fun watching out adam sylvie just just keep slapping him over and over again i guess and nobody had the draw there did they no everybody took sylvie okay that draw actually wouldn't have been even if they'd gone for it i could have seen a draw being like the final outcome yeah uh, all right, moving on to the tie portion. We had juniors. It was Tyler Jones uh, coming out of United Karate Studios. Uh, really looked good out there. He's about to turn 18 uh, in November, about to start fighting the adults. He gets a, uh, um, a second-round knockout with a liver shot over young Jared Julian, who was making his debut. Very tough debut. You know, it was uh, very deep to be thrown into uh, for your first fight. That's the thing with these uh, juniors, though. There's just not that many of them. You know, and so like Tyler Jones is more or less fought like just all the other juniors out there. Uh, and then like he'll fight him and then they just don't ever fight again. <laughs> so uh, Jared was definitely game. You know, he was using some good head movement, you know, to avoid some punches, but just wasn't able to string together any consistent offense. And finally goes down with that liver kick in the second round game performance. But uh, Tyler Jones uh, definitely going to be one to watch when he turns 18. Uh, your thoughts, Chad? Yeah, that uh, <clears throat> that liver kick was sick. Um, I thought Julian was in trouble. He come at him, uh, pretty hard right off the bat. And, and Tyler just kept sidestepping him and, and tagging him. Um, and, and it left it open. He had to keep his hands up high cause he was getting hit in the head and, and he hit that spinning liver kick and it was over. It was, it was nice. What we got there, Justin. Um, let's see. Hobbs and Greg both picked Jones and Chad as well. Chris fell with Julian on that one. Okay. Uh, next, we had uh, a 165-pound bout. The late replacement, Daniel Kilburn, uh, Triple Crown MMA, and uh, 
a juggernaut boxing up in Kentucky comes down and gets a unanimous decision, 30-27 over a very game. Joshua Fisher from uh, Combat Performance. And, uh, man, this is a, you know, Kilburn, both guys look really good, first of all. But Kilburn's like really tough. Like he doesn't do anything but come forward and throw. You know, it may not be like the prettiest, but like he's super tough. Uh, that was a really good performance for both guys. A tough one to judge, even though it was 30-27, like, a couple of the rounds, you know, Fisher still – it was closer than 30-27 would indicate, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think the rightful guy won and everything, but it wasn't like Fisher was just getting blown out uh, in every round. Uh, what do you think there, Justin? Yeah, it was it was close. I mean, and a lot of times in these tie fights, you know, it's, it's just so hard to judge them just because it's just nonstop action between both guys, you know, and you're just trying to keep up with who lands more volume in the bigger shots. Um, and I think it's kind of what it, what it boiled down to with Kilburn, you know, but both guys were in there um, to fight and they were bringing it the whole time. It was a good way to get the night started. All right. And how were the picks? Uh, let's see here on that one. Uh, Chris took Kilburn. Everybody else took Fisher. So Chris gets one back on that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. It was Chance Keller uh, taking on Peyton Uden. Chance Keller with the Lee Kickboxing Academy looked really good, really slick. 30-27, uh, he wins unanimous decision on all three cards. Uh, Uden was game, but he just didn't really have the gas tank to keep up with the pace that Keller was setting, it seemed like. Uh, you know, it didn't seem like Keller ever really had him just on the ropes to be finished. But uh, just the obvious winner in all the rounds, a little showmanship, a little no hands, a little, little uh, you know, shimmying and shaking out there. Chance Keller uh, with an impressive win there. Chad, your thoughts? Yeah, like you said, he <clears throat> he gassed him. Uh, Chance, Chance just kept coming forward and coming forward and coming forward. And uh, dude, dude kept kept in there, but uh, it's just kind of hard to keep up with Chance's overwhelming pressure. Justin, uh, the, the scores. Everybody took Keller on that one. Everybody uh, with a winner there on Chance Keller. And then our final uh, kickboxing bout of the night, in my opinion, was the most fun. This was These were some big old behemoths going at it. Light heavyweight, Jonathan Mathis from Combat Performance taking on Jesse Romans, the pride slayer uh, from, uh, from uh, Kentucky, Triple Crown and Juggernaut. And, man, these guys were beating the shit out of each other. Uh, Jesse Romans is a character. I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of both guys, first off. Uh, Mathis is great to deal with, very athletic, and I know that he can show better than he did. But, man, Mathis was the story. I'm sorry, not Mathis. Romans was the story of the night. Uh, Just, uh, like I said, such character. You know, he's he's like a Viking, you know. He's shouting for Valhalla, and it's uh, uh, throws so hard, really good chin. I mean, Man, he would just kind of shell up and take a couple and then answer back with just big ones. And he dropped Mathis several times in route to a third-round TKO about halfway through the round. But I'd say Mathis went down like three times and showed a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, intestinal fortitude to get up and answer those counts, uh, you know, whenever whenever he would go down. So a uh, really nice uh, win for Jesse Romans. We're going to see him move on to fight for the 205 MMA title in October against Derek Overstreet in what should be a war. Uh, your thoughts on this one, Justin? It was it was a good showing, you know. Mathis, like you said, got dropped several times, but each time he would get back up, and <clears throat> he was throwing shots that you know that could have could have dropped Romans, um, bringing it the whole time. Uh, Romans just was so heavy pressured, and um, you know hits like a truck. Uh, the mental, you know, part of it, he's he's definitely getting in in his opponent's head, you know, and that plays a factor in the fight. 
Um, but I think it was a good show for both guys. Mathis didn't lose much on that, you know, being a debut and, and showing that he had the durability and the, the heart to stick through as much of that as he did. And, um, you know, and now the guy that they did that was getting ready to, to fight for a title in MMA. So um, I think he should hold his head high from that one and, and we'll see him back again. Romans has kind of got that star factor, I feel like, you know, yeah. a little little grooming. Yeah. That's a guy that could be, uh, I mean, he's just got the character and his fighting style is just, uh, you know, very fan friendly. What do you think about that one, Chad? Oh, I loved it. Um, I've, I've known Jesse for a while. We've tried to get him. We've tried to get him in Alabama. Um, so I've watched him and uh, just, just the shots that he was landing um, I think the other guy kind of punched himself out thinking that maybe he'd, he'd get Jesse right off the bat. But as the rounds kept on, Jesse just kept coming and, and nonstop. And it almost seemed like the power was getting stronger as the round went on. Yeah, man, it was awesome. Uh, awesome to see. Definitely excited to have uh, both those guys back. Uh, moving into the MMA portion of the card. It w- oh, oh, hold on. Um, did we tell, say who, who picked those, Justin? No, on that one, Greg and Chad took uh, took Romans and Mathis, uh, Hobbs and Chris took Mathis. All right. MMA began with Elijah Gilbertson picking up a first-round TKO in only 32 seconds of the first round over uh, over Bud Cook, the journeyman, uh, unable to pick up his uh, his win uh, after uh, 10 tries, man. he's uh, He wasn't able to get it done. Tagged Elijah with a couple of decent strikes standing. Takedown. There was a, a potential blow at some point that uh, was being complained about by by Bud that Roy Sanders did not see as the referee. Uh, so uh, he allowed the fight to continue. Elijah gets him out of there with ground and pound. Bud was not really happy with the stoppage. Talked to Roy afterward. He said he just didn't think Bud was going anywhere. Uh, but props to Elijah Gilbertson gets his record now up to three and three, evens it out now that he's joined KMAA. Just uh, that's three in a row. And uh, couldn't happen to a better kid. A really, really fan of Elijah's there. Well, you know, uh, as far as that low blow goes, they tell you in the rules meeting and everything, if you if you take a low blow, you have got to protect yourself still. Um, when it's that like, shot happened. Like, stop fighting. Yeah, yeah. I was standing right there and he just kind of looked up like, hey, call it. Well, Elijah's not going to stop unless he's told to stop. And, uh, you know, sometimes things miss i've been in a fight that we pick with a certain ref about missing a a low blow you know sometimes that happens you've got to continue to keep fighting um elijah was impressive i mean 32 seconds uh like you said he took a couple shots got him on the ground finished it up did what he was supposed to and uh the picks there justin everybody took elijah on that one all right. Up next, it was uh, a really good one here. This is entertaining when we had Eric Lewis uh, making his debut at a Rocket City MMA, going the distance, winning unanimous decision over Keon Jones out of the Eastridge Fight Club down towards Chattanooga. Um, you know, uh, Lewis uh, was very composed in there. He fought just kind of a measured fight against a much longer, taller guy. Keon Jones has got some great dimensions and size for the division, but uh, you just got to learn to put it all together, you know. But I thought both guys had a good learning experience getting to go all three rounds. Uh, I thought there was no doubt that uh, the the winner was Lewis, picked up all the rounds, really, but also never really had uh, uh, Keon in any sort of uh, danger being finished. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to see if both of these guys uh, continue uh, to develop here. Uh, your thoughts on that one, Justin? Yeah, I mean, you know, still both these guys, for Keon, that was his second fight, and for Lewis, it's his first. 
Um, there's a lot of bugs that have to be worked out in there, you know, in the beginning. Um, and just, just being in that situation with all the eyes on you and it's just different than the training room, you know, and, and opportunities like this, give a guy, give these guys, you know, those first couple of looks and, um, you know, a few more fights, we'll get to see what they're really about, but, um, to, just to show up and, and, you know, be able to stick it out through the whole fight and have a good tight fight, you know, is, is, uh, is, a, is good for both guys. And the scores on the scores. We got, um, Chad took Keon. Everybody else took Lewis. Up next, we had the quickest fight of the night as Samaj Portis gets a big first-round knockout over Julian Lopez. Lopez making his debut there out of the UFC gym, and Samaj Portis coming down from Ohio with Team Notorious makes a statement there in seven seconds, and now he will move on to October 3rd for a number one contenders fight against Shlomo Boyd, which should be a lot of fun as Carter Beekman will look to defend his 170 title against the winner of that fight a little bit down the road. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on this big knockout? I happened pretty quick. I, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, it's, I'll talk about it longer than it happened, but uh, no doubt. powers in the field. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, we can't say a whole lot about it. It's got power. I'm ready to see him come back again. No doubt. Uh, what was the scores there, Justin? Hobbs and Greg took Portis. Uh, Chris and Chad fell on that one. Up next, it was another decision fight as two more debuts went at it. It was uh, Justin Jamar, another representative of Rocket City MMA, getting a unanimous decision win over Kyle Pacini over the uh, out of the UFC gym in Greenville, South Carolina. Really good fight. Thought uh, this was one that was really, really close. Um, you know, Jamar seemed to land the bigger, more damaging shots. He had uh, Pacini kind of busted up there, but Pacini was game, man, and they actually thought they won that fight. So, uh, you know, it was a really good one, probably, in my opinion, one of the best fights of the night. Uh, Chad, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. It was a uh, it was a great fight. Um, Justin, like you said, landed more damage. Sometimes when it comes down to the judges, you know, if 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 you're all busted up and the other guy doesn't look like he took a whole lot, you know, you can't really argue a fight. Um, Justin did a good job. Um, I believe he dropped Peachenny uh, at least once, if I if I remember I think correctly. It's the first but, uh, third. Okay, yeah, I know one of them was with a pretty hard left. Um, you know, you, you get rocked a couple of times. It, it's kind of hard to argue a. a, a uh, L, but it was it was a great fight, great fight. Justin, the scores on that one. Um, Hobbs is the only one that took Jamar. Everybody else dropped that one. All right, up next it was uh, Daquan Sutton getting a decision win over Bimmy Sola. Uh, Sutton uh, has been doing a lot of kickboxing as of late, so uh, reverts back to MMA and looked great out there. Although Bimmy Sola was very, very tough, man. That guy was good. He had good wrestling, uh, made him work for it. That's another fight where, you know, uh, Bimmy Sola's uh, camp thought that they won that fight. Uh, Daquan Sutton uh, seemed like did, uh, you know, the more the more damage, had the, had the more dominant positions to me, but uh, really good showing from both guys. And a uh, uh, real nice win for Daquan Sutton over a tough one, man. Uh, just Justin, your thoughts? That um, at Atobra, that he's an independent. Well, he said he just joined X three. He said he trained at X three a few times, but like not enough for them to, I guess, you know, straight up be, be with him. Although he had Shamel Finley in his corner. Yeah, I mean, he looked good. Uh, you know, especially just as, as a debut period, he looked good. Yeah. Um, Daquan, you know, is, is only has one MMA fight. It's a loss, but he's got. Tons and tons of kickboxing experience, and he's at a high-level gym. 
um, every day, you know, with, with some of the best talent in the region. And um, to put on a, a, a good fight against Daquan like that um, is, is, you know, says something for sure. Um, and Daquan, you know, he lost the first round and then second round came back, um, got back control for a little while there. And um, then he then he won the third round pretty decisively and um, just showed his, his tenacity and durability and, uh, you know, um, switching up the game plan a little bit on the fly and, and adjusting the things he needed to and got it done. And the scores? Uh, let's see. On that one, everybody took Sutton. All right. Um, up next, it was Mary Rosenbeck getting a first-round TKO over Faith Smith. I uh, thought Smith was doing really well on the feet, uh, landed some good strikes, uh, probably got the better of the exchanges. But then once Rosenbeck was able to get the takedown, uh, landed some ground and pound there, and uh, eventually got the, the stoppage there uh, by referee Justin Brown, the corner of Rosen, um, Faith Smith, not, not real happy with the stoppage. I thought it was maybe a little bit premature. I don't think she was really too hurt. She took a few – few shots but it also seemed like she was starting to kind of come up um and, and it had been so like competitive up to that point you know but uh that said you know they're amateurs and uh you know they're always going to err on the side of caution there greg your thoughts on this female fight uh actually from the start but you know when mary got on top of her i i, I only thing i can say that was wrong with that fight is the referee made the right decision and uh, i hate that we overshadow the referee's decision by the actual fight itself because both girls were kind of confused along with everybody else and the referee well it's like he kind of hesitated for a moment it seemed like yeah he had he, he made the call the indefinite call but then hesitated and then and then said no that's it and everybody was like ah so and I mean I know the vet was the ref was a vet and everything and he knew what he he was a good ref and everything just he uh he made a he made a dump right there and it's uh but I mean I wish he wouldn't have because I think I think it was the right call I mean I do so you know I mean congratulations to Mary too there. Uh, all right. And uh, before we get to, well, I'll go ahead and let you weigh in on it, Chad. You were there in the corner of Faith, uh, and just well, I'll let you go ahead and give your two cents as well. The the argument there was, um, yes, Faith was Faith was bumping and she was trying to come up. Um, my argument was when she was moving, a lot of Mary's punches was hitting the cage. She caught her with one or two, but she hit her with hit the cage uh, a, a bunch. That was that was my argument with the whole thing. And when I said that to the ref, he just kind of looked at me and like shrugged his shoulders, like Greg said, like kind of almost bum fuzzled. Um, but you know, nothing taking nothing away from Mary. She did what she was supposed to do. She got down, ground and pounded until the ref told her to stop. Absolutely. Always a pleasure uh, getting to have Mary up here. She's always so much fun to work with and always puts on a good show. What was uh, yes. the score here, Justin? Everybody took Mary on that one except for Chad. Okay. Up next, it was uh, Tim Carraway taking a unanimous decision win over a very tough Justice Bumpus, uh, the third representative of Triple Crown and Juggernaut from uh, Kentucky. Really good fight. Both these guys had good showings. Uh, Tim uh, Carraway's top control just a little too much to overcome for Justice, who had a really tough weight cut. Uh, you should have seen this guy on weigh-in weigh day. Just absolutely sucked out. So uh, I know he is capable of, of showing better. And at the same time, congrats to Tim Carraway, who puts on a, a really nice performance there. Moves to two and zero. Oh. Got to kind of keep an eye on. I think we will get uh, we'll get Justice Bumpus back in action in October the third. We'll talk about his opponent a little bit later here this evening. I won't spoil it just yet. Uh, Chad, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Tim. Tim had the top control. Um, just kind of controlled the fight. So uh, kudos to him on that. Um, Justice had, like you said, a good good showing. Maybe the weight cut took a little bit too out of him. 
uh, hard to get up when you have a hard weight cut and try to refuel. Um, but yeah, Tim did a great job. Justin, uh, scores. Hobbs and Greg took uh, Caraway. Chris and Chad took Bumpus. All right, moving on. It was Rocket Ray Hewitt getting a second round submission over Tim Farrow in a flyweight contest to come from behind window because Tim Farrow looked, I'm sorry, Lucas Farrow, not Tim Farrow, uh, Lucas Farrow out of UFC Jim in Murfreesboro. Uh, Lucas took the first round and, and looked really good, uh, you know, just. Just a great motor on him, but Ray's just so dangerous at all times, uh, you know, constantly threatening with submissions, uh, really hard to hold down, you know. And so uh, the, the wind goes to, to Ray Hewitt in the second round with submission and uh, it moves him to four and two now. And I promised him a title fight next at 125, so he definitely earned it with four straight. Uh, tough loss for Farrow because, again, I thought he looked good. I thought he, he, he had a, a nice showing. He just uh, came up on the wrong end of it this time. Uh, your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's cool to hear Ray's going to get a title shot after that. I think that this is the, the performance that really showed that he had, he's kind of put it all together and he's ready to compete, um, you know, at, at a, a little bit of a higher level. Lucas Farrow's, you know, a, a tough 125er and, like you said, won the first round and uh, Ray was, was able to adjust in between rounds and then he just so damn long, you know, when he gets on you like that, um, it's just a backpack that you're not going to get off and um, – Sunk in the rear naked choke and, and got a nice win there. And the, uh, and the score. On the score, everybody took Ray. All right. Up next, it was Bantamweight action. Michael Cribb uh, coming from Nashville MMA, taking on Clay Leak from the Nice Guy Submission Fighting in Indiana. Cribb misses weight uh, by about four pounds on this one after they moved it up to 140. Uh, didn't look too bad out there, though, man. Uh, they still win all the rounds. It was uh, Leak taking a decision win, uh, I believe, on all the cards. And uh, just a lot of, you know, really good wrestling from Leak. I thought Cribb showed some really good striking. But uh, the wrestling too much from Leak is he takes a decision vision win and he's the guy that uh you know he's five and one now i wouldn't mind seeing him against like a jackson donovan or something i think that would be uh, a solid fight there uh greg your thoughts i'm sorry which one which i'm, I'm that, that was uh clay leak clay leak and michael cribs oh clay leak and michael cribs from nashville yeah i think i was on cribs in that fight because I think I'm pretty sure I was on Cribs right there, but Cribs was uh man, he wasn't he wasn't fast enough, man. I think Leek, uh I agree with you. He does he probably does deserve something. He's six and one now. After five and one. He was four and one now, he's five, five and one. Well, he was entertaining to say the least. I wouldn't mind seeing him and Jack Dunn square off. The score is there, Justin. Chad took Leek, everybody else went with Crib. Oh, Chad makes up a little ground there. I, I told you don't I told you don't go against an Indiana wrestler. Oh, up next, it go. was the Steve Anthony Cochran making his uh, bantamweight debut with a first round submission win by Rear Naked Choke over a very tough and scrappy Dustin <laughs> Garrett. This was a wild first. I mean, this was late in the round. There's only like 10 seconds left in the round. But I mean, there was a lot of action packed into that two minutes and 50 seconds. Both guys just scramble, scramble, scramble everywhere. And uh, the Seagoat Anthony Cochran evens his record up to 500 with a nice win. He was shredded, uh, shredded to pieces yeah. at 130. Look great, and not want to take anything away from Dustin Garrett, man. This kid's still very dangerous. Like he, you have got to be ready to go at the pace that he's going to go uh, for a, a hellacious three minutes if you're going to beat him. You know, so uh, we're going to make Dustin Garrett and Bradley Breakfield up next in October, which I think will be a really nice fight. Uh, Seagood will take that show off, but uh, I'll see you. I guess we're up to chat on that one now. Your thoughts on it? 
edge of the seat fight the whole time from the time they touch gloves. Um, takedown back and forth, um, slams. Uh, it was a great fight. Anthony ended up on top and uh, and got the win. It was it was it was a great fight. Justin, uh, the scores. Everybody but Greg took uh, Cochran on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Up next, it was the Honey Badger, Brandon McGee, getting back into the win column with a third-round TKO over a very tough Mitchell Murray. Tough night for UFC Jim Murphy's bro. They go winless, but they're all such tough guys. Murray's a guy that I was real good fan, a real big fan of after his performance in Nashville. McGee, obviously, I'm a fan of as well. Uh, they really uh, went at it. McGee looked good, uh, more aggressive uh, nature than he showed against Sam McAlpin. Gets back in the win column with a third-round TKO. Justin, your thoughts? Uh, McGee looked good, man. He looked like he's uh, put on some size since since the last time we saw him. I don't know. Um, lost the mullet. Yeah, lost, him, dang, lost the dang. mullet. And he, uh, I, th- I thought he looked a lot thicker, you know, but um, it was a good comeback for him. Um, you know, he had definitely saw some adversity. Mitchell Murray wasn't, wasn't going to go out easy. Um, and, you know, it took him a few rounds, and but I think it was a good good win over a solid opponent just to get back in, in the win column. Um, the picks. Everybody went with McGee on that one. Right. Feature bout three to go here on this recap. It was Alan Miller, the Amish assassin. He don't act a bit Amish, though. You know, he's like, fuck the Amish, I guess, you know. <laughs> he, he, uh, I like it. I like his swagger. Yeah, first round submission win with a rear naked choke uh, over uh, Sam McAlpin. Uh, you know, uh, gets back on the horse after uh, a loss to Carter Beekman. Really nice showing here. Um, you know, in this, when they were striking, I thought Sam was doing okay, but he just couldn't come close to stopping the takedowns and uh and he wasn't going to sneak a submission in on uh on a very tough grappler and uh in alan miller so uh, congrats to alan miller we'll see him again next um uh, october the third he'll be doing a tie fight against the aforementioned justice bumpus and what should be a really fun fight uh and sam mcalpin will get ready to promote a show uh in the meanwhile uh greg your thoughts on this feature about uh, again, uh, every time Sam McAlvin fights and the Army's assassin, I get excited for both of them, man. And it was hard to make a pick on them because Sam, like we said last week, has been fighting for more than just a fight. So uh, Sam's been impressing his back to back to back. And, uh, you know, after, um, you know, Miller, Alan, Alan Miller writes his name, right? I'm, I've always called him the Army's assassin. Yeah, Alan, Alan Miller. Alan Miller, he so like, yeah, he does. He just said, "Fuck the Amish." I mean, if you leave the Amish, that's basically that what you're doing is saying, "Fuck you." To, right, right, right. To their lifestyle, so he left them because, like, I and it was funny because after he won, you know, you could tell that Sam McAlvin was very upset with himself. He got caught on the ground, which is, you know, it's been Sam's demise. It's been his, it's been his, uh, you know, it hadn't been his forte per se, you know. But he, uh, he's got, he's gonna start working on that. But uh, yeah, when uh, when when Amish Sasha stood up and started yelling, that's what the fuck I'm talking about. That's what. I, that's what it, that's the moment I was like, well, that wasn't very Amish with him. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, but you can't not, you can't dislike that kid, man. Uh, Alan Miller, I, I, he's and he's he's a big fifty-five dude, man. And uh, I think we, uh, I, I, I think we're gonna see a lot more coming out of that kid in the near future. And he's been working a lot with Junie Browning in the in the lead up to his fight. <laughs> He'll be a big part of Junie Brand- uh, Browning's camp for that October third fight with C four Charlie Alexander. You have to imagine. Oh, I bet it's gonna be a good one with Charlie and. Uh... Oh, sorry, I got bored. You started talking about two guys I could give a shit less about. Uh... <laughs> sorry. Love it. I love it. Chad, your thoughts on this uh, feature bout? 
Uh, like you said, I, I thought Sam was holding his own on the uh, on the feet. Um, as soon as he got to the ground and Sam lost the scramble, he's usually pretty good with a scramble, but once he gets in uh, unfavorable position is, is where he usually doesn't do too well. And, uh, you know, he rolled over and, and, and now he got the, uh, the choke. Uh, Justin, the, uh, the scores. Chris took Miller. Everybody else was wrong. Oh, wow. Well, that <laughs> caught, gets, gets, uh, gets a little one back up there. Co-main event of this uh, evening, uh, man, it was such a good first round to have an anticlimactic ending. Is the fight a lot of us were looking forward to as the as the fight of the night? Gary Sharp from KMAA uh, technically will get a TKO win over uh, Andrew Havner at the in between rounds of one and two. Havener had to retire because of a hand injury. It was such a good first round, back and forth, lots of scrambles, very much leading up to being what we thought it was going to be. Uh, and unfortunately, the injury to Havener, uh, hope it will not be too severe. Hopefully, won't be out too long. Uh, congrats to Garrett Sharp, though, another big win, and uh, he moves up to five and one now. And uh, you know, with a, claims a pretty good uh, scalp there. Uh, your thoughts, Chad? Very unclimactic ending. Uh, was disappointed in in the ending, but you know, it happens. You take an injury. You know, it is what it is. Where they're amateurs, so you know, at the end of the day, they got to go back to work. Um, but uh, great back and forth first round. Um, definitely, definitely thought that uh, Garrett was winning that round, and then uh, you know was looking forward to another another couple rounds. It was a good scrap until until he had to retire. Greg, your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, looking up at Havner, when I think Chris Bond was the referee. I think I could be wrong, but I, I may, maybe not. But I just looked up and I told the ref, I was like, what's going on? Like, what is going on? And then he waved it off, and Havner actually looked over and said, I broke my hand. I can't, I can't do anything. And I was like, God, I know that feeling. That sucks, man. Because, I mean, you can go back out there and you can be a punching bag for another two rounds. But against a guy like Garrett Sharp, you don't – you don't want to do that, you know. So uh, yeah, I, I commend everybody making the right decisions there. We protected the fighter there. He did the right thing by not further damaging his hand. Uh, we're, we don't think he's a chump for quitting or nothing like that. So uh, no. uh, we we want to see him come back because I know that uh, I know that he uh, he was he was tough and ready to go three rounds with Garrett. And uh, I mean, both guys are on the professional level right now, like beginning coming in, like they're both ready. I think. I think it's just a hey, uh, Havner. That's what I did. I broke both of my hands right before my professional debut. So I mean, yeah, you know, we can see good things coming out of a, out of a broken hand. Don't let it slow you down. Come back stronger. That's all. Justin, the picks. Uh, everybody took Garrett Sharp on that one, except Hobbs, who was wrong. Main event for the 185 title, reigning champion. Tank Wilson Jr. gets the second round win over uh, over Logan Dean uh, with uh, was it a was a TKO or is it submission there? Von Prude. Von Prude. Von Prude. Von Prude. Von Prude is ass. How could I forget? Uh, I can know how I can forget about ten crowning diets. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, uh, it was an awesome, awesome showing by Tank Wilson. Uh, Logan gave him a good run in the early goings. It was obvious, uh, you know, he's got some wrestling behind him. He got was able to really kind of stifle Tank, but uh, Tank showed that improved tank, that improved gas tank, and uh, he didn't falter. He didn't fade uh, like he has in the past, and really has showed he has shored that up as he uh, as he was able to weather the storm from Logan Dean uh, in some some good scrambles. In the first round, second round, really started to pull away. Got that Von Peru. Final amateur five for Tank Wilson as he gets ready 
to become a professional athlete. And I think he'll be a really good one. Uh, looking forward to seeing Logan Dean back. I still think he'll give a guys a lot of trouble uh, in the middleweight division, especially with the uh, tank cleared out. Now uh, your thoughts on this one, Greg. I, I agree. I think that uh, right now, you know, Logan Dean sits uh, right behind tank as the number one contender. If not be the champion here soon or whoever he's got coming up. But yeah, Tank moving to a professional is a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's overdue. He needs to do it. He needs to get on it. I don't think he needs to waste any time, man. Uh, well, he showed in that fight, man. He's a, he, we know he's got, he's got heart and he's, he's, uh, kind of, he's leaped miles as far as like you're speaking about his gas tank and his cardio. He does really well with that. Uh, wasn't expecting him to uh, be as like connected like, with his uh, wrestling and stuff with Logan Dean. I expected Logan to have the upper, you know, the advantage in the wrestling department. But Tank is so strong. I've went with him five times, and I don't know why I went against him this time. It was stupid, and that's on me. And I never probably will do it again. You know. So congratulations, hats off to Tank and the uh, reigning champion. He's gonna get that belt up though, and he's gonna make that jump. So I'm excited to see his career unfold now. Chad. Yeah, Tank was very impressive. Um, back and forth, he showed some resiliency too, because Logan was Logan was taking it to him. Um, very impressed with him. It almost looked as if if Logan started gassing a little bit in the second um, mm-hmm. when stopping. See, sometimes even when you're going against a wrestler, it's not always just them taking you down and them pressuring on you sometimes it's the stop in the takedowns if you're constantly stopping 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 and fighting for a stoppage of a takedown that is going to wear you out and it looks like that i mean to me that's what it looked like it his body language changed a little bit going into the second round um and you know tank tank was able to get on top and 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 get the von Prue. the scores uh everybody got tank except for greg all right. And the uh, final, what's the final scores for the night and then the updated? To final out on the night, Hobbs went 13 and 7. Greg and Chris both went 12 and 8. Chad went 11 and 9. So as of right now, Hobbs is in the lead with 28, Greg with 26, Chris with 26, and Chad with 24. Oh, it's anybody's ball game with a big card coming up. For that, up, that uh, right. <laughs> uh, for, <laughs> Before we move on to our uh, to our picks panel, I'm going to get weigh in one more time. Biggest winner of the night. Um, we won't do a biggest loser on these amateurs. Uh, biggest winner of the night, uh, as far as just you know, who really made a statement and you know uh, grows the much for, uh, the most from their win uh, on Friday night. Chad, I'll go to you first. Then Greg, I'm going to say Rocket Ray Hewlett. I like it. I like it. And uh, how about uh, you, Greg? I'm going to have to go with Anthony Cochran, man, dude. Just showed a really like a brilliant spectacular display of how to frame out and post off and use wrestling like use uh use jujitsu to kryptonite to wrestling and that's exactly what he did and he tired out garrett man and ended up taking the win uh, he was the most impressive win for, on the night for me i think he's definitely found a home at 135 i think at oh, 135 God, he he's just in in superior condition, you know, at 45 and 55, you know, he, I'm not saying he wasn't in good shape, but you know, the size that he would give up, uh, compared to now where now he's like, you know, right there with those guys size wise and just absolutely, it has to be in uh, impeccable shape to make that weight. I think that's, uh, definitely where he wants to be. Um, all right, let's move on then folks. And we'll bring in Jeff Hobbs at this point, as we get ready to do the preview and predictions for this weekend's Valor 73 card.
All right, moving on to our third and final segment of the night. It is picks panel and preview time for this weekend's Valor 73 card from the Camp Jordan Arena. Saturday, September the 12th. You can get your tickets at fighterticksforthenext.com. There's like hardly any cage side left, um, but there are still general admission. Uh, if you can't catch it live, you can be there uh, in kind of virtually, I guess you would say, with our pay-per-view at vfcmma.com. We'll have Vince Ferrara back in the booth uh, with Greg Hopkins in action. So we'll have Vince Ferrara with uh, Nick Gertz and Junie Browning calling the action this weekend. Uh, before we get back into it, uh, now we've brought Jeff Jeff Hobbs into the fold. Jeff, uh, conspicuous by his absence last week, will be back in the cage this weekend for Chattanooga. Jeff, how's it going? It's going good, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. I've been so excited all week for this shit. (laughs) It's a stacked card, too, man. I'm pumped. Uh, Justin, reset us as we go into this week of picks. So this will also be the order that we go in. Uh, Hobbs is in the lead with 28. Greg... Coming in second with 26, and Chad has 24 points. All right, still wide open here as we have another massive card. Let's get it rocking and rolling here. One combat jiu-jitsu match on this evening set for 195 pounds. Uh, one 10-minute round. It's slap grappling, if you will. We're going to see Trevor Blankenship make a quick return, fresh off of his submission win over the <laughs> ultimate adjudicator slash hammer of justice, Darren Hastings, in only about a minute. Uh, so he really didn't have a whole lot of cage time in there this past time. Uh, definitely didn't take any damage. He will be returning uh, out of the Bluefield Fight Academy in Bluefield, West Virginia, the protege of Miss Hannah Rosario, who we will see later in the evening. He'll be taking on Josh Maynard out of Pedigo Submission Fighting, Nashville, Tennessee. This will be his first uh, slap grappling uh, competition, I think. I think he's done some other grappling type things, but uh, these are two big, strong guys are going to get us kicked off uh justin i'll let you uh, take over the proceedings all right hobbs you get us started a draw is on the table apparently remember that okay yeah you can yeah you can't pick a draw what say that again we cannot pick a draw you can, you can. You yeah can. okay uh all right we had one this last time adam sylvie just slapped the shit out of his guy for nine minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds gotcha um we had one before that too with the two females. That yep. was not yep. very fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I well, unfortunately, I didn't get to see Trevor Blankenship's uh, submission. What did he win by? It was like a Achilles lock or ankle lock. Ooh, yeah, was it crafty. Achilles? Yeah. Crafty. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I don't really like John Mayer or his music, so I'm going <laughs> to go with. Well, hell, I'm going to go with Blankenship just because he had a submission. All right, Greg. Well, his name's not John Mayer. It's Josh Maynard, and he's my friend. <laughs> he's my friend. <laughs> no, he's my friend now, but Josh, uh, Josh is a big guy. Trevor's a big guy. Both of these guys are big guys. I don't uh, – I mean, Trevor got that, that submission over, over Darren Hastings right there. It was pretty quick. Uh, he took a couple of slaps, but it, it wasn't nothing too damaging, and he responded well to him. Uh, I think it's a step, a level level up in competition with Josh Manor. He's had a couple of competitions, uh, and uh, I think that uh, you know adding the slaps in for Josh will be a whole new ball game. But uh, with both of these guys being as big as they are, I think I think that the, their gas tank's going to slow down a little bit halfway through the fight. And I know that Josh is pretty good at fighting off submissions, and uh, Trevor uh, was pretty tenacious. You know, he 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 worked pretty good against Darren Hastings. So I'm going to go I'm going to go with Josh Manor here. All right, Chad. I think I'm going to go with Josh Maynard as well. Um, 
I think Trevor, like I said in the last one, he didn't get a chance to gas, but uh, I, I think he'll gas out and, and Josh will get the win. All right, so Greg and Chad, Potek, Maynard, Hobbs, Blankenship. Up next, we have our first tie fight of the night, 215 pounds it's set for. It's Harrison Aiken, a guy we've seen in MMA competition quite a bit as of late, a champion in multiple promotions. Be uh, taking on uh, Hank Peppers, who is making his tie debut. Harrison's 0-1, by the way, and he's making his tie debut, 2-0 MMA. Hasn't fought in a while, has had some injuries, and he uh, representing a Gogi Combatives in Chattanooga. Two big guys. I don't know, man. This is there'll be there'll be some hitters out there. You know, Harrison just went and did the bare knuckle trial, so. I'm sure he's uh, excited to show off them hands. Uh, Justin. All right, what do you got, Greg? Uh, me and Harris Nagin have been talking online, talking about gambling on this fight <laughs> itself, but I think we're going to step off because I don't want to make that man pay me any money uh, because Hank Peppers is on my team here, and I get to see Hank Peppers on the on the reg quite a bit. And uh, very even matchup. Uh, both guys are game. I know Harrison's going to be uh, you know, headhunting. And Hank's more of a diligent guy, so I think that uh, in time, I think Hank Peppers gets the job done. All right, Chad. Greg, it's a good thing you decided to not take that bet with Harrison. Um, His hands are getting just – they're getting sick. Um, He's ready for this. He's ready to do this, and and I believe he's going to go pro after this one. So he's – He's definitely making sure that this is going to be – he's going to go out with a bang. So, I'm going Harrison. He should probably get his hands looked at before this fight if they're sick. Well, you got <laughs> – Yeah, that's true. Uh, he better watch out. I think Hank might bite them hands off if he tries to dig them in there. <laughs> <laughs> now, Hank's going to be coaching a high school football game the night before. Tonight or Friday night, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me too. Uh, all right, good, Hobbs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm taking Peppers on this one. All right. Hobbs and Greg for Peppers. Chad with uh, Aiken. All right. Up next, we switch gears from Muay Thai to K1 rules. So there'll be no clinching. There'll be no uh, there'll be no uh, knees or elbows. It's a catch weight of 130 pounds. Two experienced guys going at it. I'm excited for this one. It's Julio Osorio, five and two out of the United Karate Studios in Dalton, Georgia. Trained there by Ben Kiker, Travis Jones. We've seen him a couple times here. Got a win over uh, got a win over uh, uh, Nick Wiggly in kickboxing uh, last year. Taking on Jake Phillips, uh, three and one out of North Georgia High Stand in Dalton, Georgia. Trained by Nalo Wachuga there. And uh, tough kid, man. The only loss he's got is a, a, a loss to uh, Devin Garten for the title, who's a very tough guy out of American Killer Bees. So, uh, you know, but I will say Phillips has mostly competed, I think, in tie rules. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts as those uh, UKS guys. It's weird that they will do the tie rule. They really like that K1 style. Uh, Dustin. All right, Chad, get us started. I'm going to have to go with Jake on this one. Um, I've watched him a couple of times. Very impressed. Um, likes to come forward. Um, going to push the pace. Uh, I think Jake gets this one. All right, Hobbs. Uh, remind me, Tim, We've I've seen Osario. I, I think I remember him. What was his last fight? Uh, Mexican. He's a Mexican kid. He, he won. Yeah. Uh, I want to say maybe he got like uh, a pretty quick one last time for us, like over Nick Ferguson. Yeah, I think the correct is Spanish. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, not right. from Spain, Jeff. He's from Mexico. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the Osario kid. I'm gonna take Julio. All right, Greg. Uh, 
both guys fighting out of Dalton, Georgia. I like that. Uh, just, uh, you got a uh, high stand versus oh. Now I'm gonna have to go with Jay Phillips here. We've seen a lot of Jay Phillips, and I know that Osario is pretty damn uh, stout, and he hits hard too. But uh, I've seen Jake a lot more than I have Julio, so I'm gonna go with Jake. If you're debating whether or not to show up early, this fight will probably make it worth showing up for the for the early fight. Oh, yeah. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a barn burner. Uh, Greg and Chad with Phillips and Hobbs with Osario. Rounding out the prelims portion, our final tie fight, light heavyweights, 205 pounds. Thomas Fowler representing No Mercy MMA, Union, South Carolina. He prefers not to be uh, referred to as the Goon Squad. He's uh, not a fan of that, but he's with him. Uh, and he's, uh, he's 1-0 and uh, coming into this fight to take on fellow 1-0 and fighter Landon Peppers, uh, the uh, younger brother of Hank Peppers, who will fight a couple fights earlier, as we spoke about, out of a Gogi Combatives in Chattanooga, Tennessee, off of his debut win back in July over Gabe Tiara in a kind of a crazy, like, just a whirlwind of a fight that Tiara ended up, like, tearing his knee or something and the middle of the fight it was crazy so i'm sure landon's looking to uh, get in there and get a little bit more cage time all right uh hobbs will get us started again um well i appreciate that thomas fowler stands for something and doesn't want to be called a goon yeah. <laughs> do we have any backstory with that real quick any Not really man he just messaged me he's like hey man when they call me out just say i'm with no mercy mma i'm not, i'm not with that goon squad shit <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love it, man. All right. Uh, regardless, though, I like those Peppers kids, so uh, I'm going to go with Landon Peppers. All right, Greg. Oh, yeah, hands down. Uh, Landon's last fight, man, that guy that twisted his ankle or his knee up, man, he was just – it was weird. He was just taking off running. And Landon, we didn't really get to see a whole lot out of Landon Peppers, but uh, I picked him last time, and uh, I'm going to pick him again. All right, Chad. As much as I want to go with Thomas Fowler for uh, not being with the goon squad shit, I think I'm going to have to uh, go with Landon. He looked impressive for for what little time we did get to see him in there. I can't believe nobody went with the Good Samaritan squad. (laughs) Good Samaritan. All right. Uh, moving on to the MMA portion of the card, light heavyweights, 205 pounds. These will be the amateur MMA fights. They're all three three-minute rounds. It's the debuting independent, Gary Taylor, out of Oak Ridge, Tennessee, a protege of young Nick Ferguson, who we've seen fight in the past. Uh, don't know a whole lot about him. Look, from what I can see, maybe he does pro wrestling as well. He's taking on D'Angelo Johnson, making his debut out of the Eastridge Fight Club in East Ten- uh, Eastridge, Tennessee, teammate of C.J. Baker, who we will talk to a little bit later. Uh, don't know really what. But, uh, a whole lot to tell you about this one. It's uh, you know very uh, very mis- mysterious. Greg, man, I, I hate. I mean, I'm from Chattanooga, and I and I want to go with the home team here. You got a Gary Taylor coming at an independent, and another one coming at Eastridge Eastridge Spot Club. Uh, I I ain't never heard of D'Angelo Johnson, but I mean he's from he's from Chattanooga. Um, I don't know nothing about Gary Taylor, but he's an independent coming out of Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and D'Angelo is with a, was with a gym, and East Ridge at least. So I'm going to have to go with D'Angelo Johnson here. Is East Ridge Flight Club a gym, or is it like Newport Combat and Club? I, I don't know. I would imagine it's just a few guys together that just throw down. Yeah. All right. Hey, and Chad? 
I think I'd, uh, I'm going to have to side with the guy that's got a an actual gym. Um, the independent guys, they're, they're a little too iffy on, on what we're going to see when they come out as a debut. So I'm going to go with D'Angelo as well. Jeffrey? I guess you guys missed that part about him being a pro wrestler. <laughs> Greg didn't pick up on that. That's your sport, right? Same, <laughs> fake kind. Same fake. thing. That's the <laughs> fake kind. I will go against that every day. It's the same yeah. shit, Chad. It's the same shit. <laughs> same shit. It's not shit. It's not shit. <laughs> it's still real to me. <laughs> Put on your fucking spandex and go hug each other. Oh. Love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody for Johnson. All right, up next, it's a lightweight bout, 155 pounds. Joel Chino Winters, one and one out of American Top Team Lima in Atlanta, Georgia. Last time out, took a tough loss to Garrett Sharp. He really took that hard. So, uh, you know, uh, very well put together kid. He's got some wrestling you can tell on his background, and I know he's going to want to get that taste out of his mouth as he takes on the one and three Brandon Williamson out of Jeff Powell's Martial Arts Complex, the PMAC in Henniger, Alabama. Uh, Williamson's a hitter, man. He's going to go out there and he's going to he's going to bang. Uh, hasn't shown a whole lot of ground skills, uh, I think, but, I, but he's a big, you know, a muscular, athletic guy that's that's got power. Uh, both these guys are really put together. All right, Chet. Yeah, um, Brandon, he's, like you said, his hands are good. Um, boxing's good. But you did say uh, Chino has some some wrestling. Is that what you said to him? I mean, I think he has to. Greg, you were saying his coach that comes with him is, is, is big in wrestling in Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got some wrestling on him. He's got some okay, wrestling, um, at least some wrestling, like, knowledge. Okay. Uh, I definitely uh, got submitted by Sharp. Well, I've been submitted by Sharp, so um, I'm going to go with Joel Chino winners. All right, Hobbs? Um, I concur. I, too, will go with the young lad from AT, ATT Lima, Joel Chino Winters. Greg. Pull the broom out. Let's get winners through. You got it, everybody, for winners. Up next, featherweights, 145 pounds. It's the debuting young Drake Keith. Uh, I, looks to be about 18, 19 years old, representing Parks, Ishinru, and Team Ground Control out of Dayton, Tennessee. Not a lot known about him. I, I think he's definitely more a traditional striker type, uh, making his debut in MMA against the 1-2 Jalen Harper out of American Killer Bees in Portland, Tennessee. Uh, last time out with Jalen Harper, I believe, uh, was a loss to Bradley Brakefield in the decision. He, he has to go to a lot of decisions, Jalen does. Uh, but very scrappy, very tough fighter. You know, uh, just uh, needs to put it together for three rounds. All right, Hobbs? Uh... I like the Harper kid. He looked good, uh, you know, his first time out. Um, but he's been in there with some decent competition, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he's got a win over one of Nalo's guys from uh, North Georgia High Stand and then a loss, obviously, to uh, the aforementioned Bradley Brakefield. And then before that, I want to say he lost the decision to maybe a KMA guy like a couple years ago. Right. He looked good in his opener. I remember that. I remember his debut. Uh, he looked good. I'm going to go with Jalen Harper. Greg, uh, I'll go ahead and pick Jalen Harper too. I think he's due for a win now. Chad, 
I'm going to go with Jalen. He's just getting too too good and too, too much experience being at Killer Bees to, to go against the debut. Four sleeps in a row. Oh, wow. A little bit different from last week. Up next, middleweights, 185 pounds. We've got Damian Douglas. Uh, the first time we've seen him, he's 1-0 out of the Ultimate MMA Camp in Albertville, Alabama. Uh, looks to be a striker, very athletic guy, taking on Jordan Lewis, who is 0-1 out of the North Georgia High Stand Group in Dalton, Georgia. Decorated wrestler, the younger of the Lewis trio of brothers. Uh, even though he is 0-1, he was in a fight of the night in his debut last year in Saudi uh, against a very tough opponent out of Atlanta uh, so uh, don't sleep on him all the same this is, it looks to be your striker versus grappler fight this one's kind of a sleeper for an amateur fight of the night type situation I think all right Greg not not so sure about uh Damian Douglas you know he's undefeated he's got a, he's got no losses on his record while Jordan Lewis has got that one learning experience but I remember watching Jordan Lewis wrestle back in the day and that kid's tough and uh, him and his last fight in Chattanooga was a damn barn burner. I mean, his mouth, he kept flying out, and he showed that he can take a punch. So, with that being said, I'm going to take Jordan Lewis. Shed. Uh, I like uh, I like the Lewis kids a lot. Um, they're tough. They're scrappy. Uh, but Damien, Damien is a monster. I've cross-trained with him a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go with Damien on this one. All right. Hobbs. Um, I had already had it in my mind. I was going with Damien, so I'm going to go ahead and stick with that. All right, a little dissension here with Greg going with Lewis. Everybody else going with Douglas. Catch weight, 175 pounds. Up next is the debuting George Lowe out of Upstate Karate, Simpsonville, South Carolina. Trains with Ray Thompson, Wonder Boy, and the like over there. Not a lot known about him other than that. I, I want to say they said he's been training about seven or eight months. White belt. Taking on 0-1 Dalton Smith, uh, who is out of a Gogi Combatter, Chattanooga, Tennessee. We haven't seen him in several years. His one fight, a loss to Nick Martino, who's now gone on to have eight pro fights. So it's been a minute since we've seen Dalton Smith. I'm sure he's been staying in shape and training, though. Excited for this one as well. Uh, before we get started, will uh, Chris Bond get to get his picture made with Wonder Boy? I bet he does. Oh, <laughs> man. All right, is Jack, Wonder Boy going to be there? Uh, there's a good chance, yeah. I mean, I think he'll probably come corner. Cool. Chad? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Dalton Smith on this one. Um, once again, going up against the debut, um, I'll take my chances with Dalton. Hobbs? Uh, I... We'll go with George Lowe. Is that right? Is it L O? It's L O. Oh, that's definitely a fighter's name there. <laughs> uh, Dalton Dalton Smith's been working really hard for this camp. Uh, don't really know a whole lot about George Lowe. Just know that he's a he's an athletic kid and uh, he's looking to get his get his fight started off here in uh, in Chattanooga. Dalton Dalton's been working, man. If you remember that fight years and years ago with Dalton Smith, Dalton Smith was whooping Nick Martino's ass. And then got caught in arm bar. So with that being said, I know that George Law. I've seen I've seen very 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 little footage of him on Instagram and stuff. We looked him up, but uh, uh, this this right here could be one of those uh, five of the night deals right here because uh, Dalton wants to get that O off his record, and uh, I don't think George Lowe wants to start out with a loss. So both of these guys are going to be scrapping. Uh, Dalton's going to be the ground guy. George's going to be the standing guy. Uh, it'll be a yin yang fight, but I'm I'm taking Dalton Smith, my homie. 
All right, Hobbs with low. The other two with Smith. All right, business picks up a little bit here. Next, heavyweights, 265 pounds. The returning Jamel Titanium Taylor, 0-1 out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Last time we saw him in July with a uh, loss to uh, Julian, the black cowboy, Goins at the Joe. Uh, he thought that was a little bit of an early stoppage. He wants to get that taste out of his mouth. He'll be taking on the debuting Cameron Gonder from American Killer Bees in Cleveland. Uh, his first time competing. He's put together, man. He's he's a he's a yoked up dude, uh, but has a fought. So, man, it's, it's a bit of a, a mystery. All right, Hobbs. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Did Taylor fight for us on that one loss? Yeah. <clears throat> that was where he fought the bouncer from the gym. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yep. Um, I am going Gonder. All right, Greg. I'll also go with Gonder. Chad? I got to train a little bit with Gonder. Um, I'm going to go with him, and especially since Jamel tried to almost kill me when uh, I had to corner him and tried to tell him that he was actually knocked out. So I'm going to go with Gonder. <laughs> All right. All right. Up next, heavyweights once again. We got a grudge match here, guys. I'm kind of pumped for this. The debuting Josh Denham out of Somerset Martial Arts, Somerset, Kentucky. It's Ian Lawler's gym. You just saw Alan Miller out of there, Junie Browning, and the like. He will be uh, facing C.J. Baker, 3-0 out of Eastridge Fight Club, Eastridge, Tennessee. The last time out, C.J. Baker with a knockout over Taylor Burton, the teammate of Josh Jenham. Ian Lawler took exception to what he thought was a dirty move uh, when they touched gloves and C.J. hit him. Um, so, um, you know, C.J.'s a really big guy. C.J.'s about 6'7". You know, a little bit of wrestling background at Eastridge High School as well. You know, he's going to be fighting at home. And, you know, he lives in Eastridge, right where this show is, 3-0. and He's looking to go to 4-0 and uh, and go uh, for that heavyweight title. So, uh, got a little bit of bad blood here. All right, Greg. Man, uh, actually, yeah, I remember that fight like it was yesterday. Was sitting next to uh, sitting next to the corner, and uh, he, I think I think that uh, I know he said the word bitch a few times, and uh, there is some there there is, there is some excitement on this fight. I'm gonna, but CJ Baker's a big guy, man, and uh, he didn't waste uh, one second. I don't think it was cheap. I think you know, as soon as you get in there, you can you touch gloves. I mean, it's it's go time. So I got to go with uh with a uh, CJ Baker here. Chad? Yeah, I was in the locker room when Ian, the, Ian and them come back. Um, I, I think Do- Josh is going to have a little pent up, pent up anger, and uh, I think he's going to take care of it. I'm going to get Josh. Hobbs? Uh, there was nothing dirty about it. I mean, they tapped just because he didn't take a damn step back and reset. Right. Uh, that that was the issue, and it's it should have been a non-issue. Um, I'm going C.J. Baker. All right, Chad with Dunham, the other two with Baker. All right, the amateur co-main event, featherweight title on the line. The vacant featherweight title up for grabs, 145 pounds. We've got Ninja Nick Wiggly, 4-1 and one out of KMA, Knoxville, Tennessee, coming off a win over Bradley Brakefield last time out. And uh, he will uh, be taking on Andrew Sturdy Sturdivant, Three and four, but a deceptive three and four. I'll say that. You know, I think he's definitely worthy of this title fight. He steps in for Alex Bergande, who has outgrown the weight class at this point. 
three and four record. But again, he's fought the very best. He's beat. He's got a winner for Gary Sharp and uh, has just been in there with very, very tough guys representing Blaylock's IMB, Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. This is a good one, guys. This is a really solid fight. I think we're going to get a lot of action here. Uh, it's a bit of a step up for Wiggly, I think, uh, who's, who's been on a roll and it's third event who's lost here recently, but very, very tough competition. Chad? I think it's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to go back and forth. Um, but I think Sturdivant has just um, – he's just seen more tougher competition on the regular. Uh, so I think he's going to be a little bit more seasoned on this. I'm going to go with Andrew Sturdivant. Hobbs? Uh, you know what? I, I had a feeling about this one uh, with Sturdivant. I think uh, I think he's just going to be too, too aggressive uh, for Nick. And I'm going start event as well. Greg? I have got to train with Sturman lately. And uh, this, not only, you know, I, did Sturman lose his last spot? To Pergande. Yeah, so he, so Sturman has this thing, and Jeff Hobbs has actually caught on to it before. He back wins, and forth. Wins, yeah. Wins, 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 yeah, back and forth. So this is, uh, this is the one. I'm sorry to steal your thunder here, Jeff, because you're probably going to mention that. But, uh, with that being said, this is still a big step up for Andrew Sturdivant, not from not Super Gonde necessarily, but to another four-on-one fighter. Nick Williams has been impressive, and I think it was a really good match made. But with that being said, I think that Sturdivant's going to have the uh, scramble game, and uh, it's probably going to stay standing for the majority of the fight. And I got to take Sturdivant. Sturdivant on all the panelists' picks. The amateur main event for the Valor Lightweight Championship, also vacant. It will be two four and one fighters going at it. I'm super pumped for this. Dan Bailey, four and one out of KMAA, coming off of a win in July over a fighter out of Michigan uh, who took, who stepped up on last uh, second's notice. He comes in at four and one, and he will take on the uh, the Valor 170 champion, the current welterweight champion, who is just uh, on an absolute tear here. Carter Beatman, four and one out of Blaylock's IMB, Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, coming off of a win in July where he got the knockout in the first round over the Amish assassin Alan Miller to get that 170 title. He'll look to keep it rolling here against Dan Bailey in what should be a really good battle. Two straight battles that came at April versus Blaylock's IMB for amateur titles. Hubs? Ooh, man. Uh, fuck. This is a toss-up right here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Seriously, like, y'all, this is... If y'all know exactly who you want quicker than I do, then y'all know something I don't because I don't... This is a great freaking fight, man. Um, I am going to say Bailey. Okay. Greg, I know the answer here, but why don't you give it to us? Uh, it's, it's, not as, it's not as cut and dry as, uh, as you think. You know who my pick's going to be, but uh, well, Daniel, Dan Bailey, man um, – He's been impressive all the way around. That kid is solid. And uh, if he's able to drag Carter Bateman into deep waters and they can get to the third round, I think that Daniel stands a chance at pouring over a decision over Carter. But I just don't know if uh, if, uh, if if Dan's going to be able to, to, you know, to hold against that ground and pound in that wrestling style that Carter Bateman's going to bring. So I got to go with Carter. Chad? I think it's going to be an even, even match. Um, I think Carter may have the advantage on on the feet, 
but I actually think Dan may be the aggressor and get it to the ground and and see what uh, I don't know what uh, Carter can do from his back. So I'm going to go with Dan. All right, two of our panelists got a uh, Dan Bailey taking out the welterweight champion and the lightweight title belt. Very interesting indeed. Moving on to the pro portion of the card, excited here now. We have uh, one of our first, one of three female pro bouts. It's the pro debut for both these ladies at a catch weight of 110 pounds. We have Sarah Hayes representing KMAA in Knoxville, Tennessee, coming off of a win last year uh, in an amateur fight. Uh, she is, uh, I want to say she is two and three as an amateur. It's a very deceptive record, though. She's a very tough wrestler, very good base, uh, and has been at this for, for several years. So uh, a long way to pro debut here for Sarah Hayes. She takes on Crystal Van Wick, also her pro debut, uh, an accomplished kickboxer, uh, tie fighter you know, for out of Charlotte, North Carolina, by way of Cape Town, South Africa. So I'm really excited to see her make her pro debut as well. Uh, both of these ladies' amateur MMA records, not stellar, but it doesn't really tell the full tale because, again, Hayes has been at it for so long, fought a very tough uh, level competition, and her style is so grinding, and she's so strong uh, in the clinch and with takedowns and on top, whereas uh, Van uh, Van Wick has got very good kickboxing, uh, striker by trade. Uh, it's a, definitely a clash of styles here. Greg? Um, I was actually looking to see who I wanted to pick. What was Crystal's? What, I mean, I don't, I'm sorry, but what were there? You said they're, 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 they're amateur records, but in the stellar. What, did we know the numbers Man, on those? Man, I'm, one in four is an amateur in MMA, but has like a lot of kickboxing wins. Right. Uh, well, Sarah Hayes, there's these are smaller weight class, right? So I think Sarah Hayes will pull this one off there. Maybe she can get it down, maybe wrestle. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I think I'm going to take Sarah Hayes here. Chad? Yeah, I'm going to go with Sarah. I think she's going to take Crystal down and get her out of her element and uh, and get the, get the win on the ground. Hobbs? Uh, I'm going to have to agree. Only, I mean – it's strategy. I mean, Crystal, Sarah's so short, too. Probably a head kick's going to be right there for the taking. Um, but I think she's just going to close the gap, get her up against the cage, and grind it out. Uh, I'm going Sarah as well. All right, everybody take Hayes. Up next, Bantam weights 135 pounds. Females, once again, in a fight that we've been trying to put on for what feels like a year now. I think it's finally going to happen. Christina Roadhouse, uh, Ricker Adcock. Uh, two and four out of KMAA, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Vic DeVette has fought a very tough level of competition in her, early in her career. Had gone on the road to Canada, you know, just really been there and uh, seen seen it all at this point. She'll be taking on the debuting Hannah Rosario out of the Bluefield Fight Club in Bluefield, West Virginia. We just saw her grappling over the past few shows uh, over KMAA uh, teammates of uh, of Christina's uh, in uh, Emily King and. Um, and she also had another one before that, uh, but uh, she hung with those girls, you know, and she seems very confident coming into this fight, uh, you know, excited to, to make that pro debut. It's been something she's been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, and both these girls, I mean, they'll scrap. They both have got a lot of heart and no quit in them. So I really think this is going to be an exciting one. Chad? Hannah is working so hard for this. Um, I see her on Facebook, Instagram, everything. She's She's – so excited for this opportunity, but I just, I think Chris is going to have a little bit more, too much experience for her and is just going to overwhelm her. I'm going to go with Christina. Hobbs. 
I'm going to have to tell you, I've, I've honestly, I've, I don't know that I remember any of Hannah's fights, so I, I don't really have a lot to go off of. Um, I don't like Christina. I'm going to go with Ricker. Adcock. Uh, I've also seen Hannah Rosario working real hard here lately on the internet. And uh, and she does work, and I like. And at her last match with uh, Emily King was it was it was entertaining. I mean, they were smacking the hell out of each other. Those girls were, and I look I look for her to be violent in this spot, and um, I, I look for her to come you know come prepared. But with that being said, Hannah Rosario just started. I just started seeing her train hard. But Christina's been working hard for a really long time. If I'm not mistaken, she just you know upgraded her belt the other night along with a bunch of KMA people. So. Um, I got to go with Christina here just for the experience wise. All right, everybody takes Chris on that one. Up next, it's a catchweight, 140 pounds. The Majin Durham, 0 2, looking for his first win out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, been in there tough with his first two with losses to Keith Olsen and James Adcock. He'll be taking on the ever polarizing Cole Farrell, 9 0 at X3 Sports. World Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, coming off of uh, nine straight wins, man. Cole's one of those guys that uh, you either love him or you hate him or you love to hate him or you hate to love him. I don't know, but uh, he is certainly uh, a character. He's a great promo on the mic. He showed uh, he's gotten his guys out of there in quick order. Obviously, the knock on him is he's uh, yet to step up uh, too much in his level of competition and building his record up. But, uh, man, this guy's convinced that he's the best fighter in the world. He'll tell you that. Um, so, you know, we'll see if, uh, if he goes to 10-0 and here over Majin Durham. Uh, you know, Majin's going to be – if you look at it from his end, man, he's got nothing to lose here. Uh, he knows if he goes out there and lands one and is able to finish off Cole Farrell, that's like – he becomes essentially a, a southeastern legend. So uh, you know he's going to go out there and put it on the line there uh, against a, a very skilled Cole Farrell, who will look to go to ten and zero and probably cut a, an epic victory promo if he gets there. Uh, I'll let you have it, Justin. All right, Hobbs. Well, well, well. All right, Cole Farrell. Never been a big Cole Farrell fan, but let me. Let me say, through this whole Valor thing and, you know, having to talk to him a few times about some things and, uh, you know, the kid's not a bad kid, man. And um, he posted something the other night that was very it, – it caught me, you know, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. But he really broke down a really long post about his record and about the things that he knows people say about him. And the thing is, he backed it up with facts, man. And he was, he, I can't remember which UFC fighters he had listed, but he'd went through and shown what their records were against opponents prior to getting their shot in the UFC. And he had solid facts to back up, you know, look, if you, if you want to say this about me, but look at these other guys, you know, and I can't remember. I wish I could remember who he used as an example. And he's like the person he fought right before he got signed, you know, was like whatever. Oh, and two or in these guys that had nine and two records fighting. Oh, and one guys, two or three fights before they got in. And um, I don't know. The kid's kind of grown on me. Um, he just said, look, let me do my thing. If I get my shot and then I fuck up or then I get, you know, tooled or something, then you can say it. But um I'm going with Cole Farrell, man, and I guess I'm going to eat some crow and say the kid ain't all bad. 
Greg? Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Very well said. Uh, that, like like, you, like we're talking about here, uh, Najin don't have really nothing to lose here where, you know, Jeff just laid out the whole the whole play right there for Cole Farrell. He's got everything to lose. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure he's – what weight class is 145? It is a 140, 140 catch weight. 140 catch. Okay, so they're both about that size, same size. So, uh, But like you said – I mean, if uh, if Mayjean's able to uh, take out that 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 O off Cole's record, I mean, because Cole, I mean, think about it. Every time you step in the cage, anything's liable to happen. Anything oh, yeah. and everything can happen, and I've seen it happen. And when it happens, and you turn around and look at everybody's jaw, it'll be dropped. Mayjean uh, is capable, but I just don't know. I hope this isn't his last fight because I I enjoy watching him because he uh, he brings the certain persona to the cage. Uh, but um, I think Cole Farrell is looking for that 10th win to get them wins double digits now at X3. All right, Hobbs. <clears throat> I mean, uh, Chad. I'm one of them that actually hate to love Cole Farrell. I don't like the antics, but at the end of the day, like Jeff said, you can't you can't argue with his explanation on things. Um, Mejin has a puncher's chance. I don't think skill for skill he can stay in it. Uh, so unless he catches him with something lucky, which is possible, I just don't think Cole's going to let that happen. I'm going with Cole. All right. Clean tweet. All right. We move on to our next bout, and it is females once again. Flyweights, 125 pounds. Looking forward to this one. We have Bellator vet Taylor Turner, the uh, the uh, first lady of valor, if you will, Four and six coming into this bout out of KMAA, Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, last time out uh, competing for Bellator. It's been a minute since he's been in the, in the cage, though. He will be taking on uh, 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 Ashley Dean, who is four and five out of Pariah MMA in Colorado Springs, Colorado. A long haul there for uh, Ashley Dean coming out here uh, to get this uh, get this action here against Taylor Turner. Uh, I'm excited for this one. You know, uh, you know, Dean's fought some very tough competition as well. All right, I think, uh, let's see, this one starts with Greg. Uh, I'm going to have to go with what I know here, and uh, that's going to be the uh, Bellator vet, uh, Taylor Turner here. All right, Chad. Yeah, I don't know enough about Ashley, and, and I know it's been a little bit of a layoff for Taylor, but she is in there every single day grinding. Um, so I'm going with Taylor. Hobbs? Yeah, you could – Tell me she's fighting Shashenko, and I'm picking Taylor Turner just because she's a freaking. I don't know. I feel like I'll just you go to hell if you pick against Taylor Turner, man. Like you're killing an angel or something. I don't know. That's a good human team, and I'm never I'm never picking against Taylor Turner. I feel like it's just bad juju, bad karma for my life. She's just too good a human being, and and really her she has evolved so much. Um, in her game, her ground game is is sick right now, and uh, I it does my heart good watching Taylor Turner win fights. All right, another one making it four in a row. Everybody going the same way. 
All right, up next, our feature bout of the night. Three to go, guys. It is the uh, welterweight contest pro debut of Quintet Sapp out of Charleston, Krav Maga in Charleston, South Carolina. That's where referee Jimmy Neely trains, a uh, little side fact. Uh, he is uh, put together, man, a solid amateur record. He is a uh, purple belt in BJJ over there, uh, you know, more of a short, compactly built guy, very strong, um, and he will be taking on the bad news of a cruise. Want to know uh, as a professional with a uh, his last time out of a Nashville win over Kyle Lee with a knockout in the first round, knocked a lot of guys out in the first round. He's out of uh, Gogi Combatives in Chattanooga, Tennessee. All right, Chad, get us started on this one. Until I see Bubba Cruz actually get put in a bad position or struggle in a fight, I'm going to have to keep going with him. Let's go with bad news, Bubba Cruz. Um. Yeah, I don't know anything about SAP, and so Bubba Cruz punches with cruel intention, and uh, uh, when he connects, fucking nights lights out. So uh, I'm going with uh, bad news. All right, finishes off, Greg. Uh, go ahead and pull up that broom. I, mean, I know that Quintez Sapp is like a you know power fighter, just a freestyle power fighter that's a wrestler by trade or whatnot, but. People uh, might be sleeping on Bubba Cruz's wrestling here. If I'm not mistaken, he was he was at the top of the chain there in his high school career. I think he was state champ, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, when me and him get to wrestle, we go pretty hard. So, uh, bad news. All righty. Uh, Hobbs. Right out to everybody. Everybody went with Cruz on that one. I think that's the scary thing is like Bubba Cruz is a very decorated wrestler that like he's just never had to show it because he just knocks motherfuckers out. Like, that's what's wild is that like he can freaking wrestle if he needs to and so as he as he moves along in his pro career it's going to be really interesting to, to see his progress because he's got a lot going for him you know he's also got the best looking family in mma something else okay we've got the uh the uh co-main event the first of two professional title fights we're going five five minute rounds for the vacant bantamweight championship vacated by former champion Cody Durden, since he got the call up to the UFC. And uh, this was going to be KMAA's James Adcock, six and three, uh, coming in on a four fight winning streak, man. He had a very good uh, 2019 and uh, beginning of 2020, as he will look to make it five in a row over the undefeated Jeremy Mitchell out of Advantage Martial Arts in Princeton, West Virginia. Man, this kid is put together. He is sh- shredded. De- He's just like one muscle. It's, uh, he is hip top shape. Um, and man, he's, is he excited to come in here and try to try to knock off a more experienced fighter and James Adcock, you know, Adcock's a guy that, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's been at this a long time and he's, he's been at it a decade or longer. So he's just a very savvy vet. He's got knockout power in his hands. He can grapple, you know, Mitchell's probably going to be the better, uh, the better athlete, the more quick guy. So it's a really good fight and I'm excited to see if it stretches out the full five. All right. Hobbs, get a start on this one. Um, again, I'm in just one of these situations where I don't, where being from where I'm at, I don't know all these guys. Um, and I, I just, I have nothing to go off of for Jeremy Mitchell. Um, but I do know James Adcock and, uh, I'm going James Adcock because that's what the fuck I know. All right, Greg. Man, uh, Jeremy Mitchell is a fucking – we were talking about Anthony Cochran being shredded earlier. 
easy to rename uh, Jeremy Mitchell the damn, you know, r- Ruffles, Ripple, Potato Chip, because that dude is vascular. Like, he has, like, 0% body fat. And if it goes into the later rounds, I'm wondering if his body's going to be pumping after that weight cut. He's at 35, man. And uh, and he used to fight 45. And I don't know, man. This is going to be one hell of a fight. Adcock is the type of guy. He has – I've never seen him spar or anything like that, but I know he has he has one gear, and that's that falls out. You know what I'm saying? Like, here, <laughs> here it comes. And that, that's how that's how Adcock comes at you. He don't quit. I like how he fights. But this is a five-round fight. I don't see Adcock absolutely going out there and trying to steal the deal in the first round with a guy that's in that type of shape. And Jeremy Mitchell has been known to be able to take a shot. So with that being said – I think it might get drug into the third round-ish, maybe, but Jeremy Mitchell's been working hard every day. I'm going with Jeremy Mitchell. All right. Jed? Uh, I've watched uh, a lot of Jeremy Mitchell's videos. Um, I have sparred with James Adcock. Um, He is is just a savvy vet. And I I foresee Jeremy Mitchell coming out trying to get the uh, highlight reel finish. And... Maybe maybe blowing his gas tank right off the bat. And uh, when he can't finish James in the first, I, I could see James dragging it out and James getting the win. I'm going with Adcock. All right, Greg takes Mitchell, the other two with Adcock. Main event time, and we're going to let Greg go first on this one. Uh, <laughs> it just so happens to be his turn anyway. Oh, did all this work out just so nice? This is the one that we're all been waiting for, guys. It is the main event for the Valor Professional Welterweight Championship set for five five-minute rounds, 170 pounds. It's the Asian Persuasion, Jason King out of KMAA, eight and six with one no contest. Bellator vet last time out was his Bellator fight, actually, though, and that's been uh, a minute. He's been uh, popping at the bit of fight. He's a guy that stays in shape the entire time. Uh, even when he doesn't have a fight, you know, on the horizon. So you never have to worry about him not being conditioned. Uh, he will be taking on Greg Hopkins, our very own, right here on the panel with us right now. 3-0 and Greg Hopkins is, and he will be ta- uh, fighting out of a Gogi Combatives in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, on paper, I think this is your uh, striker versus wrestler fight. Um, you know, uh, as far as just looking at it um, you know, from an overview perspective, but, you know, obviously Jason King is a skilled grappler as well just awarded his brown belt by eric turner like last night i think and uh you know so he's you know definitely not a one-trick pony when it comes to the striking he's long great uh great length uh, good kicks uh very active in the clinch and uh you know just uh, an all-around good fighter and greg hopkins of course decorated wrestler uh power in his hands that grit that just can't be taught really uh man this is a fight that i'm just uh super stoked for greg i'll let you say your piece and then we'll let you get out of here before we get uh, to the other guys uh i am gonna go ahead and let you guys know that uh this is where the fight the picks panel is going to come in to where I could give a shit less who or what any of y'all think. I could give a fuck less what any of y'all think because I'm going to win that fight, and that's my that's my pick. So you guys, with that being said, say what you need to say. Go against me. I don't care. It don't matter. We'll see Saturday night. Y'all have a good night. I'm gone. Thank you, Greg, for your time, brother. We will see you Friday night at weigh-ins. All right, and uh, we'll go back to Justin. All right, Chad. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> so I've rolled with Greg. I've sparred with Jason. I've rolled with Jason. Um, man, um, 
Greg's wrestling is going to come into play here. Um, I think that is going to be the biggest factor. If Greg could get him down, he has he has a very legitimate shot. But with Jason being just so long and lanky, he is going to be able to keep. I, I feel like he's going to be able to keep Greg at bay on the takedowns. Um, as much as I want to pick Greg. Greg's my boy. Jason's my boy. I, I got to go with Jason just for, for his rangy striking. All right, Hobbs. What kind of Mickey Mouse horse shit is this? Getting off the freaking air before we get to say what we want to say. <laughs> oh, I thought you were calling I thought you were calling my pig Mickey Mouse horse shit. <laughs> Are you gonna try to tell me he had something to do and leave? on this pick or he just didn't want to hear what we had to say. Is that it? Yeah, but you know he's gonna go back and listen tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not, so so oh, I'm I, gonna I'm gonna get a text. I'm so sure. I just fucking stay here and listen. God <laughs> I feel like he hurt himself by checking out. He, he might have gotten a, a a pick if he wouldn't have checked out. Um, I think this I think to me this is a really uh, intriguing fight. You got so many intangibles in play here. You know I I think you've got, uh, you know, the smaller cage, I think, potentially plays uh, a little bit more to, to Greg, not necessarily to his advantage, but I think it would be more to Jason's advantage to have the big cage. We'll just say that. Uh, and then I think, uh, you know, you've got your hometown crowd uh, that is, you know, um, hope we'll see if, it, if if they're able to to will him through or if uh, Jason King's just like, fuck that, man. I don't give a shit. I'm, I don't care who's here for you. I'm just going to kick your head off, you know. Well, I think, I think, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I think anybody else, Greg fighting anybody else, that would come into a major play. Jason's fought on the biggest stage at Bellator. Mm -hmm. So coming into Chattanooga, which is going to be a rowdy Greg Hopkins crowd, it's still not going to be the biggest atmosphere that he's done. I don't think that phases him like it would anybody else. All right, so uh, Hobbs? Yeah, I don't... I don't know. To me, the question mark is, and here's the thing: it's this is Greg's job to, to you know, to, if we pick against him, to fucking shut us up and and you know, give us a big f you. I told you so kind of thing. That, I mean, that's cool. I'm I'm picking against Greg. You know, I expect it. <laughs> I expect that if he comes through, he earned it and deserves it. If he you know gets the win here, um, but. You know, the the fights that I've watched of Greg's, uh, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about gritty, determined, um, fucking impossible to kill, kind of one of those things. You cut the snake's head off, he's still fucking trying to bite you. Um, but to me, it's still about gas tank. And yeah, Greg has, has, has lasted fights, but the tank was empty. And... And where, what was that damn last fight at the Joey had, you know, where it was a, it was a knockdown drag out, but his tank was empty. And had he Brian been in Jackson. there with, yeah, had he been in there with anybody more skilled than Jackson who can take advantage, Jackson just couldn't take advantage of that empty gas tank. And that's where I think the small difference is going to be is, uh, is Jason being able to take advantage if that happens again. I don't know that that's going to happen again, but that's obviously the last thing uh, that I remember of Greg uh, in his last fight. Um, was it getting to a point where the fight was sloppy, um, you know, swinging for the fences, arms dangling heavy, um, 
Greg just was able to push through because he's a tough son of a bitch and, you know, uh, refuses to, you know, go out like that. Um, but that's just where I think the small difference is going to be is, is Jason being able to, uh, you know, be in better shape. He's a, a taller, leaner guy, carries his weight um, really well. And I think he's just going to have a little more in the tank to be able to capitalize if Greg uh, kind of uh, fades in, in the later rounds. So um, I, that's just where I think the difference is going to be. But again, I'm the first one to say I pick on Greg a lot, but it's because it's I like the damn dude. Um, it's no different if we would live close enough to hang out every day. Uh, we would bust each other's balls all day, 24 seven, because it's fun. And that's what we do. Um, so I fully expect him to go out there and I, I hope I'm the first one he finds and gives a big F you to. But uh, for picks panel wise, uh, I think uh, I think Jason King takes this one. All right. <clears throat> I think it's worth being said too, just just for the record that with Brian Jackson, Greg did know what kind of opponent he was facing. And he definitely does understand the difference between Brian Jackson and Jason King. So I think you'll see him in a lot better shape for this one. Um Hobbs and Chad go for King. Greg, obviously, going for Greg. All right. Well, that will uh, that'll do it for our picks panel, guys. I want to give you all a fight of the night prediction, though. Uh, what is your pick for fight of the night? What is the what is the fight that uh, that you think is really going to uh, going to deliver uh, the fireworks here in Chattanooga? Oh, Chad, I'll let you go first. Um, I am going to go with. Dan Bailey and Carter Beekman. I like that. I like that. And Jeff? Uh, well, shit, I've already taken down my card or my prelim card. There was one on the prelims that I put an asterisk by. Um, Phillips and Osario? Yeah, I think it was that one. Uh, but I like the, 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 the Bailey Beekman as well. But I don't want to sleep on the Sturdivant Wiggly either. But. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Wiggly and start event. I'm gonna stick with that one. I like that one. All right. Well, very good, guys. That's uh, that's gonna wrap us up for our picks panel. Thanks for uh, everyone for for sticking with us tonight. Thanks for our panelists and of course our fans for uh, sitting through a long show. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed it. Uh, make sure to uh, share the podcast wherever you tune in, whether it be Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, make sure you uh, you share and subscribe. Keep the uh, keep the love going here. We will be back next week with a recap of Valor Chattanooga. We'll have new champions by that. Well, I look for new champions by that time. Uh, we will recap that as well as UFC and a look ahead at October. Uh, for my co-host Justin Watson, I'm Tim Loy signing out for this edition of the Valor Hour. I'm Jerry Petot, CEO of Radio Influence. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on any of our programming, or if you have some show ideas you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you take time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means more than you could ever know. Without you, the listener, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to all of our programming. You can find all of Radio Influence's programming on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, 
TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.